0: Chapter forty of Forest Days by g p r james. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty. About an hour before the return of the young Earl of Ashby from his ride towards Leicester, his cousin Richard had presented himself in his antechamber expecting to find him within. He was no favourite of the servants of the house, and a feeling of doubt and distrust towards him had become general amongst them a cold look from the armourers and a saucy reply from a page importing that the earl was absent and that no one could tell when he would come back was all the satisfaction which richard de ashby could obtain and returning into the court he paced slowly across towards the gate where he had left his horses sir william geary passed him just at that moment but did not stop merely saying with his cold supercilious look ha dickon thou art in the way to make a great man o thyself it seems stay geary stay cried sir richard not very well pleased either with his tone or his look but sir william walked on replying i can't at present dickon for once in my life i am busy they all look cold upon me muttered richard de ashby as he walked slowly on can anything have been discovered his heart sunk at the thought and the idea of flying crossed his mind for a moment. But he was, as we have shown, not without a dogged sort of courage, and he murmured, "'No, I will die at the stake sooner. I must find out, however, what has taken place that I may be prepared.' He somewhat quickened his pace, and had already put his foot in the stirrup to mount his horse, when he heard a voice calling him by name and turning round with a sudden start. He beheld Guy de Margan coming after him with rapid steps i saw you from my window said the courtier hastening up and have much matter for your ear but let us go down by the back wade into the town and let your horses follow in a moment richard de ashby had banished from his countenance the look of anxiety and thought which it had just borne not choosing that one who was already somewhat more in his confidence than he liked should see those traces of painful care which might perhaps lead him joined with the knowledge he already possessed "'to a suspicion of those darker deeds "'which had not been communicated to him. "'Well, Guy,' he said as they walked on, "'how flies the crow now? "'I find my noble cousin, the Earl, "'has gone out to take an afternoon ride. "'Not the way methinks that men usually spend "'the last few hours before a mortal encounter, "'but he does it for bravado, "'and if he do not mind, "'his life and his renown will end together "'in tomorrow's field.' perhaps for better they did answered guy de margan shortly and then replying to a look of affected wonder which richard ashby turned upon him he continued i know not your plans or secrets dickon but i fear you will find your cousin alured less easy to deal with than even hugh de Mothemer. he doubts the truth of the charge he has brought and he should not have brought it said richard to ashby what have i to do with that nothing perhaps replied guy de margan but he loves not any of those whose reports induced him to make it. I found that myself while I was sitting with him last night. He was strangely uncivil to me, but you are foremost on the list, Dickon.' Pooh! cried the other. "'Let him but conquer in to-morrow's lists, and the pride of having done so will make him love us all dearly again. I know, Alured, well, de Margan, and there is no harm done, if that be all.' "'But it is not all,' said Guy de Margan. "'While I was sitting with him, an old woman, a withered old woman, the servants told me after, came up to call him to your house, bearing a message, as if from you.' "'Twas false. I was far away.' "'Did he go?' exclaimed Richard de Ashby, now moved indeed." "'That did he, immediately,' answered his companion. "'I walked down with him, and saw him.' "'Why, in the name of hell, did you not stop him?' cried Richard de Ashby. Old woman, I have no old woman there. Perhaps he went to see the young one you have there, said Guy de Margon, in a careless tone. Curse her, if she have... exclaimed Richard de Ashby, and then suddenly stopped himself without finishing his sentence. Yes, proceeded Guy de Margon, with the same affected indifference of tone. Yes, he did go down, and went in, and stayed more than an hour for i was at the king's banquet and saw him come back and spoke with his henchman peter afterwards who told me that he was mightily affected all that night and brought with him from your house a paper which he sealed carefully up look to it dickon look to it they had now come to a flight of steps which led them down over one of the rocky descents which were then somewhat more steep than they are now in the good town of nottingham and Richard de Ashby, pausing at the top, ordered the horses to go round, while he, with Guy de Margan, took the shorter way. He said nothing till he reached the bottom, but there, between two houses, neither of which had any windows on that side, he stopped suddenly, and grasping his companion's arm, regarded him face to face with a bent brow and searching eye. "'What is it you mean, Guy de Margan?' he answered. "'You either know or suspect something more than you say.' i know nothing replied guy de margan and i wish to know nothing my good friend so tell me nothing i am the least curious man in all the world what i suspect is another affair but now listen to me the death of hugh de mothamer sweet gentleman though he be would not be unpleasant to me the death of the earl though you would have to wear mourning for your earldom would not i have reason to believe be very inconvenient or unpleasant to you now mark me dickon if these two men meet to-morrow your cousin allured doubting the justice of his cause and shaken by foolish scruples will fall before the lance of hugh de mothamer as sure as i live every one of the court sees it and knows it that would suit your purpose well you think but you might be mistaken even there nothing but dire necessity will drive Mothama to take the earl's life. The prince is to be the judge of the field, and he will drop his warder on the very slightest excuse. Thus you may be frustrated, and both you and I see our hopes marred in a minute. But there is something more to be said. I do not choose that your purpose should be served, and not my own.' "'Why, Guy de Margan,' exclaimed his companion in a bitter tone, "'you do not think that I am tenderly anxious for Mothomer's life?' "'No, nor I, for Alured de Ashby's,' answered de Malgarn. "'But either both shall die, or both shall live, Richard de Ashby. "'Your cousin's mind is now in that state, "'that but three words from me, turning his suspicions in another channel, "'will make him retract his charge, and offer amends to him he has calumniated. "'Aye, and worse may come of it than that. "'Now I will speak these words, Richard de Ashby, in plain terms.' I will prevent this conflict unless you assure me that both shall fall but how can i do that demanded richard to ashby gazing upon him with evident alarm how is it possible for me to insure an event which is in the hand of fate alone in the hand of fate cried guy de Margan with a scoff to hear thee speak one would think that thou art as innocent as nosed-dove art thou not thy cousin's godfather in the list to-morrow ay so he said replied richard de ashby then instruct him how to slay his adversary rejoined guy de Margen. tell him not to aim at shield or helmet but at any spot his shoulder his arm his throat his hip where he can see the bare hauberk. Now you would knows better said richard he will drive straight upon him with his lance and then the toughest wood the firmest seat the steadiest hand the keenest eye will give the victory nay but tell him answered guy de margan in a lower tone that you know what is passing in his mind the doubts the hesitation and that the conflict on foot is that wherein alone he can hope to win the day ask him if he ever saw hugh de Mothema unhorsed by a straightforward stroke of a lance whoever was his opponent but show him that by striking him at the side and turning him in the saddle he may be brought to the ground without a doubt "'But still, what is this to me?' asked Richard impatiently. "'The one or the other must win the day.' "'No, no,' cried Margan, "'I will show you a means by which, if you can ensure that Alurid de Ashby's lance dips "'but its point in Hugh de blood, it shall carry with it as certain a death "'as if it went through and through his heart. "'A scratch, a simple scratch, will do it. "'When I was in the land of the old Romans, now filled with priests and sluggards, who have naught on earth to do but to sit and debauch the peasant girls and hatch means of ridding themselves of enemies a good honest man who took care that none should be long his foe and was possessed of many excellent secrets gave me for weighty considerations a powder of so balmy a quality that either dropped into a cup or rubbed on a fresh wound though the quantity be not bigger than will lie on a pin's head it will cure the most miserable man of all his sorrows or within half an hour will take out the pain of the most terrible injury for ever i understand i understand said richard de ashby give me the powder would i had had it long ago but how can one fix it to the lance's point so that in the shock of combat it is not brushed off mix it with some gentle unguent," answered guy de margain twill have the same effect i will i will replied his companion Then, with a thick glove, I will feel the lance's point to make sure that all is right, like a good, cautious godfather in arms, first carefully trying the wood upon my knee, with every other seeming caution which the experienced in such matters use. No fear, but Allured, one way or the other, will draw his blood. Oh, yes, and both shall go on the same road. Half an hour, say you? Will he have strength to end the combat? Fully, replied Guy de for within two minutes of his death he will seem as strong as ever i tried it on a hound just scratched his hanging lip then took him to the field and on he went after the game eager and strong and loud-tongued but in full cry down dropped he in a moment quivering and panting and after beating the air for some two minutes with his struggling paws, lay dead give it me give it me cried richard to ashby and then burst into a fit of laughter as if it were the merriest joke that ever had been told. Guy de Margan put his hand into the small, embroidered pouch he wore under his arm, and took forth an ivory box not bigger than a large piece of money. "'What is this all?' exclaimed Richard Ashby, taking the little case. "'Is this enough?' "'To slay more men than fell at Evesham,' replied Guy de Margan. "'But be careful how you mix it remember the slightest scratch upon your own hand sends you to the place appointed for you if but a grain of that finds entrance i will take care i will take care said richard to ashby and now look upon the deed as done ere this time to-morrow you will have had your revenge and i shall be earl of ashby Ha! <sighs> cried guy de margan is the truth out at length well good richard fare thee well we shall meet tomorrow in deep grief for the events of this sad field. In the meantime, I will go to your cousin, the short-lived Earl, and nerve him for his battle. I will inform him with mysterious looks that there is a plot afoot to delay the combat and to make him believe his adversary innocent. You harp on the same string when you see him, and I will tell him, too, that he shall have proof sufficient early tomorrow of Mothamer's guilt. If we but get him to the field, the matter's done.' He will not retract. Farewell, de Marguin, farewell, said Richard to Ashby. I will go home and make inquiries there. And as he turned away, he murmured, If this powder be so potent, then may be enough for you also, my good friend. But I shall have another to deal with first. Kate Greenlee, my pretty lady, you have a secret too much to carry far. If you have not betrayed me already, I will take care that you shall not do so now." A few minutes brought him to the house he had hired in Nottingham, and, knocking hard, the door was almost instantly opened by a young lad whom he had left behind with his unhappy paramour. "'Where is the lady?' was the first question that the youth's master put to him. "'In her own chamber?' "'No, noble sir,' replied the servant. "'She went forth some time ago.' "'Gone forth?' exclaimed his master. "'Gone forth when I forbade her to cross the threshold?' "'I could not stay her, sir,' rejoined the youth, who had been brought up in no bad school for learning impudence, as well as other vices. "'Women will gad, sir, and who can stop them?' "Hold thy saucy, prate knave,' replied the knight, "'and answer me truly. Who has been here since I went?' "'Nobody, sir,' replied the boy. "'Nobody but the old priest.' "'What old priest?' demanded his master, with a bent and angry brow. "'The old priest who was here before, noble sir.' said the boy in a more timid tone for his lord's look frightened him he who was here the night you went to lindwell ha cried richard de ashby a priest here that night tis well for him i caught him not when was he here again twice sir replied the youth once in the morning and last night she sent me for him again and no one else asked richard de ashby no one answered the boy firmly and then added in a more doubtful tone, No one that I remember. Boy, it is a lie, replied his master. I see it on thy face. Thou knowst thou liest. And as he spoke, he caught him by the breast, giving him a shake and making his breath come short. Who has been here? If thou speakest not a word, thou shalt have a taste of this. And he laid his hand upon his dagger. No one indeed, no one that I know of, said the boy. I may suspect "'And who do you suspect?' asked Richard de Ashby. "'Why, noble sir, last night,' replied the boy, "'as I was going up the street to seek the priest, "'I saw two gentlemen come near the house, "'and one of them, who was the noble earl, your cousin, I am sure, "'went up as if to the door and, I think, was let in. "'The other turned away. "'Did my cousin go in?' demanded Richard. "'Say me but yea or nay. Did he go in, I say?' i think so sir replied the youth i think so but cannot be sure there came a sudden light across the road as if the door opened but by that time i was too far up the street to see it is as de margans said thought the knight and striding up at once to the chamber where the corpse was laid he found the door wide open and the body fairly laid out and decked as it was called a crucifix and some sprigs of holly were on the breast a small cup of holy water stood near a lamp was burning although the sun was not yet down and everything gave plain indication that the man had not died without the succour of the church and that the corpse had been watched by other eyes besides those of poor kate greenley i have been betrayed said richard ashby to himself i have been betrayed yet if it be but the priest there is no great harm done The secret of confession, at all events, is safe. But where is the girl herself, and what has been her communication with Allured? That must be known, ere many hours be over. Perhaps I shall know it soon enough. And yet what can she tell but that a wounded man died in my house, brought in by people who had once visited me, and that, too, while I was absent? Tis my own conscience makes me fear. If Ellaby would but to take himself to Wales or France or anywhere but here, all would be safe enough. But he keeps hovering about like a moth round a candle. Where are the man's clothes, I wonder? And taking up the lamp, for it was now rapidly growing dark, he sought carefully about the room, but neither clothes nor sword nor dagger were to be found. "'There is a plot against me,' he continued. "'Tis evident enough now. She may have gained more information than I think.' she may have overheard something. A paper! What paper could she have given to Alured? Perhaps the covenant that I foolishly gave to these men. He might have had it about him. Ellaby may have forgotten it. That to a damnation, indeed. Perhaps to a better to fly, while there is yet time. Fly? No, never! To be a wandering outcast upon the face of the earth, seeking my daily sustenance at the sword's point. Or else, by art and cunning, when the earldom of ashby is almost within my grasp no never i will go face it at once and woe to him that crosses me if i could but find that girl hark there is a noise below and with a nervous start he turned to listen and soon heard that the sounds proceeded from the servants whom he had sent round with his horses talking with the lad in the hall i will go face it at once he repeated to himself "'I will wait for him at his lodging and soon find out what he knows. "'Doubtless he has kept it to his own breast. Allured is not one to cast a stain upon his race. "'No, no, he will not accuse one of the name of Ashby.' "'Thus saying, he descended the stairs, "'and bidding his servants keep good watch in the house till he returned, "'he took his way back to the castle on foot.' on reaching the apartments of his cousin he found a number of attendants in the outer room apparently not long returned from a journey some time had since passed however for they were eating and drinking merrily and little did they seem disposed to interrupt their meal for their lord's poor kinsman my lord is out sir richard said one he has gone to the prince's lodging nonsense ned cried another he's come back again but he told peter that he did not wish to be disturbed by any one "'Of course he did not thereby be me,' replied Richard de Ashby sternly. "'Go in, Ned, and tell him I am here.' The man obeyed sullenly enough, and the moment after the knight heard his cousin's voice saying in a hasty turn, "'I want not to see him. Tell him I am engaged. Going out on matters of moment. Yet stay. Send him in.' Richard de Ashby's eyes were fixed sternly upon the ground as he heard the bitter confirmation of his fears and he muttered to himself, "'Ay, he has heard more than he should have known.' When the servant returned, however, and bade him follow to his lord's presence, he cleared his brow, and went in with as satisfied an air as he could well assume. The table was laid for supper, and his cousin was standing at the end, in the act of setting down from his hand a drinking-cup of jewelled agate, the contents of which he had half-drained. "'I would not have disturbed you, Aliret,' said the knight. "'But as I am to go with you to the field, it is necessary that we should talk over our arrangements.' "'I have no arrangements to make,' cried the young earl, looking at him askance, like a fiery horse half inclined to kick at the person who approaches. "'I am going to fight, that is all. "'I have had a lance in my hand before now, and know how to use it.' "'Yes,' replied Richard de Ashby, "'and you will use it right well, "'and to the destruction of your adversary.' "'I am aware of that, Allured, "'but still there may be things to be said between us. "'When one knows one's opponent in the lists, "'consideration and skill may be employed "'to baffle his particular mode of fighting, his art. "'His trick, call it what you will. "'Now I have often seen Hugh de Mothma run a course. "'You, I think, never have but once.' "'I met him hand to hand at Evesham,' replied his cousin impatiently. "'That is enough for me. "'I want neither advice nor assistance, cousin mine. "'And more, as we are now upon the subject. "'You go not to the field with me. "'I will choose another godfather. "'Nay, no attitudes or flashing eyes. "'I tell thee, Dickon, things have come to my knowledge "'which may touch your life, so make the most of the hint. "'The time is short, for as soon as the prince returns "'he shall be made acquainted with all the facts.' but Allured, explain exclaimed richard de ashby no need of explanation replied his cousin you will hear enough of it ere long if you wait let your conscience be your guide to stay or fly at any rate remain not here i go for a moment to shake hands with you de Mothema, ere i meet him to-morrow at the lance's point and to tell him that i bear him no ill-will though honour compels me to appear in arms against him I would not find you here when i return and let me not see your face at to-morrow's lists for it would bring down a curse upon me thus saying he strode out of the room without waiting for a reply and richard ashby in a passion of the moment writhed his fingers in his own hair and tore it out by the roots a curse upon him he cried a curse upon him well let it fall tell the prince blast his own blood Stain the name of Ashby for ever. Bring me to the block. But I know better, he continued, suddenly recovering himself. He shall never do that. And looking anxiously round the room, he drew from his pouch the small box that Guy de Margan had given him, approached the door which his cousin had left partly open, pushed it gently to, and then, returning to the table, he poured a small portion of the white powder it contained into the drinking-cup of Allured de Ashby. A triumphant smile lighted up his countenance as he saw the powder disappear in the wine which still remained in the cup. "'He will drink again when he comes back,' said the villain. "'I know him. (laughs) "'And he must tell his story soon to Prince Edward's ear, or his tongue may fail him by chance. "'On my life I think he is a coward "'and afraid to face this Mothama, "'but doubt and hesitation are past with me. Kate Greenlee, tis your turn now.' she is with the priest doubtless she is with the priest her tongue once silenced and i earl of ashby who will dare to accuse me then or if they do why let them i will unfurl my banner on my castle walls call around me the scattered party of de montford and set edward at defiance till by a soft capitulation i ensure the past from all inquiries but now for the girl She must see no more suns rise. And thus saying, he quitted the room and castle with a hasty step. End of chapter 40